0: Immigration is way more important than you ever believed, and not in the way that you think. Today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier of freedom. It's our platform where we talk about faith, politics, and commerce, where we analyze current events from biblical and common sense perspectives. I'm so glad you knocked. The door is open and we have answered. Come on in and welcome to The Grid. Sean, it's great to have you back today as you and I dive deep into immigration and why it's important. Thanks for joining The Grid today.
1: As always, looking forward to it.
0: Before we get too deep into that, let's pause for a quick news and review. All right, welcome to this week's news and review. We've got a few things to scroll through here in the news. Uh, At the top of that is the, I would say, the Trump indictment, which now we have a verdict in his business dealings in New York. Trump was fined, wrap your minds around this, $355 million, and he can't do any business in the state of New York for three years. That was the ruling that came out of this case. Now, you may not be familiar with this case, but it is important to understand what it is and exactly what happened. So I'm going to be reading through my, my notes here. The the case involved Trump applying for loans from the bank and the state of New York said he falsified his documents, that he um, overinflated his assets, probably underinflated his uh, his debts and so forth, because banks, you know, they they loan money based based on kind of an algorithm. What's interesting about this case is that they usually these things usually come to light when somebody defaults on a loan because they really didn't have the money to pay for it. Which is not the case here. Trump paid back all of those loans, and uh, the banks made out just fine. No one was harmed. So as I'm reading through this article, that's the one thing they pointed out is this particular statute that's used in the state of York in this particular case has been used over 150 times. However, this is the first time—the first time that the statute has ever been used in a situation where there was no harm. And as you read through it, what what really came out about about this article is I'm reading it is that the judge says, um, yes, but no one was harmed, but you knowingly and intently did this, and I need to make an example of you. That's pretty much pure and simple. Folks, the witch hunt continues. Uh, Let's see, on some of the other items, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. You know, in the Super Bowl, I was rooting for Brock Purdy of the 49ers to have a great game, but lose, and for Patrick Holmes to have a great game, but lose, and that we wouldn't see Taylor Swift in the whole game. Well, none of those came true. Patrick Holmes had a pretty good game, but uh, all the other things just didn't happen. That being said, congrats to the Chiefs. However, you should be scolded for your behavior at the celebration there in Kansas City. I have read the reports of just half the team showed up drunk and uh, just really put on uh, a horrible display of behavior. And that's not the kind of model we need from people uh, who are so much in the public eye. So anyway, you need to, uh, you need to button that up, Kansas City. Okay. also, I don't I mean, I see this guy all the time. The radio icon, Charlemagne the God never listened to him. I don't even like his name. However, the reason he's he's top of the mind on Fox News today because of a comment he made. He said that Biden's character, his mental makeup is uninspiring and that Kamala Harris has failed to meet any kind of expectations when you've got liberal folks making these kinds of Of uh, statements, folks, it's time to circle the wagons. And that's what the Democrats are doing. So, in addition to that, I also was reading this story about, I call it COVID 19, but it's called disease X in this particular story. The World Health Organization taught Dr. Tedros said that he issued a similar warning in 2018. So what we see in the World Health Organization is that they're claiming that it's not a matter of if, but when another disease breaks out and that this individual made this claim in 2018. And what do we know at the end of 19, we got COVID. So my question is, is this predictive or is it prophetic? Is this actually, we're actually going to manufacture this? Because that's certainly what happened with COVID, right? We learned out that was not a happenstance disease that, in fact, it was manufactured in a lab and leaked. So is that is that what the top doctor is predicting? I don't know. Okay, I thought this was really big news this week, and you'll understand a little bit of the dynamics as I try to break it down simple, but uh, the the district attorney in Georgia who's brought suit against Trump and 20 others for trying to steal the 2020 election, uh, Willis, I forget her, Patricia Willis. I, I I can't remember her first name, but Willis. Um, she is in court this week having to defend herself because see, when a prosecutor goes out and files a claim against someone. Sometimes they'll hire outside, uh, outside attorneys to help them with research, or who have experts in areas. I've seen this a lot when in the corporate world you have general counsel, and then sometimes you'll go out and get a specialist uh, to help you. Well, it turns out that the individual that she went and got to help her prosecute Trump was actually her boyfriend. Now, I think that the, at the end of the day, that just that's that's not a great that's not a great look, right? I mean, that doesn't speak to the kind of ethics you would want. However, what really became an issue of the case and what Trump's lawyers are claiming is this guy is contracted by the district attorney's office, meaning his firm, and that individual is getting paid. And then that boyfriend and Willis go on vacation together using the very money that was paid by the DA's office. So another way to say that is that Willis is actually indirectly profiting off the money her office is paying for the prosecution of Trump. That is is what is at stake in, in this particular trial, in which she's having to defend that relationship. And it's really crazy because what has come about is that, in fact, she tried to hide all this. She tried to reimburse money with cash only. It's a whole mess. Now, whether or not she gets recused or not, we don't know. But at the end of the day, it just creates problems in that particular district where she's brought suit because her integrity now has been questioned. And she to go after Trump, you, you just can't have those kind of questions. It's going to taint the trial. It's going to taint the jury. So anyway, uh, that came out this week, and it, it was <laughs> it was quite quite the bit of fireworks. So she lectured as a witness from the stand about how she wasn't on trial, and this was about Trump. And she basically did everything that she's accused Trump of, of pontificating. And anyway, it's crazy. Uh, also, wanted to mention uh, in foreign news, um, number one that uh, Russia. Uh, just assassinated. I'm going to call it what is, or I should say Putin, assassinated his chief rival, uh, poisoned him. Uh, We know that to be true. It's not the first time that it's happened. More unrest in Russia as Russia continues to try to overtake Ukraine. And then we're struggling with whether or not we're going to give aid to Ukraine or not. And I've heard these arguments back and forth. It's just our foreign policy is a mess, folks. It's a mess because of the lack of strength that showed. In other foreign news, and I this is also pretty telling, it's what we're going to close with today, a Netan- Netanyahu's cabinet voted to reject this unilateral two-state solution. Really, really important. Because what they're saying is they don't see a pathway to peace by creating these separate independent states. I would agree. The Bible tells us there's not going to be peace. We just know that to be true. So... Uh, I I don't want to say kudos to that. It just is more of what we knew. There's unrest with Israel. And I shouldn't say in Israel, there's unrest in the Middle East, particularly as Israel relates to its neighbors, relates to the terrorists and tries to function. There's unrest there, unrest in Ukraine, unrest in Russia. China is possibly making a move on Taiwan. Iran is getting bolder. Folks, this is what happens when you have a lack of strength and you display weakness on the world stage. This is why... One. This I should say. This is one of many, many reasons that Biden cannot be reelected. And so, uh, and and that was the last story I want to cover in the news and review. But there is one piece of comedy. The Babylon Bee is really good at satirical stuff. I just have to say. And they had. They've got several videos out there about the top ten or fifteen accomplishments that Joe Biden has had in office. One of them is really funny. Is that he has single handedly um, improved obesity in our country by making food unaffordable according to his economics so uh, that was pretty funny um the other one is that he is absolutely ensured that kamala harris would not be president at least right now by staying alive so that's one of his great accomplishments gotta love some of that humor from the babylon b folks for this week's news and review that's a wrap oh and one more thing i was able to slip this in before it got edited and published Breaking news right off the wire, the, the truckers for Trump, they are boycotting New York City because of the the uh, this $355 million verdict against Trump. And I just thought that is fantastic. People are pushing back. And there's really no better way to do that when you bring all your voices together. And the voice of commerce is the loudest voice indeed. So truckers for Trump, way to go. Okay, Sean. So I read an article uh, this week that really, it, it just really hit me right between the eyes. It was a Fox News article by, I'm trying to think of the person who wrote this. It was by Thomas Katanachi, if I'm saying that right. And the title of the article was this, illegal immigration could have a major impact on House seats and the Electoral College. At least that's what the experts say. Um, Have you had a chance to see this article?
1: I have. And yeah, we need to talk about this today. It's not something that uh, most people are talking about. And it it didn't even register until you brought it up and I read it.
0: Yeah, for me, it was like hitting me, like I said, right between the eyes. And I think to fully understand what we're about to talk about Here on the grid, you've probably not heard this before. We actually have to go all the way back to January of 2021 when Biden was sworn in. He made a move. He did uh, an executive order that a lot of people actually, I should say no one talked about because I certainly didn't hear about it. And it was an executive order that required the Census Bureau to factor all residents into the census, whether they were non-citizens or not. As part of this decennial, you know, the calculation they do every 10 years of the total U.S. population. Sean, did you know that up until that point that the Census Bureau did not include illegal or undocumented uh, folks in the United States as part of the census?
1: I was aware of it back when it became an issue with Trump. And I mean, it made sense what they wanted to do is they wanted to put it on there. Uh, to make sure that everything was copacetic and that we were actually counting citizens. Um, but, you know, it faded soon after that.
0: Indeed, it did. So let's go to January 2021. Biden does this executive order that says now the census must basically count everyone, not just true U.S. citizens. So keep that in your mind. Keep that in your backdrop. Push that to a side for a second. And now let's go back. Not to 2021, let's go all the way back to the late 1700s. Sean, are you familiar with how our Framing Fathers built the Constitution, particularly in the areas of the Electoral College? And if not, I will be glad to pontificate for a brief few moments.
1: Oh, go ahead. For the sake of our audience and a refresher for me.
0: I would love to. I was baiting you there, of course. So in case our audience is not aware, there are 535 members of Congress. And that is how supposedly the work gets done in our country, uh, at least from the legislative branch. There's 100 U.S. senators, two to each state. And then there's 435 representatives spread across all the United States, including Puerto Rico and Uh, Washington, D.C., I believe, gets an apportionment of, of three representatives. Why is this important? Because, well, the senators are apportioned to the states equally, two per state. But in the House of Representatives, the amount of representatives per state is apportioned by population. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of mathematics that go into that. But let's just suffice it to say that the larger states get a lot more votes, a lot more representatives in the House of Representatives than the smaller states do. And the reason the founding fathers designed it this way, because it, they did want to say, hey, the states that have much greater populations should have a larger say in certain aspects of government. But that's counterbalanced by the Senate in which everyone has equal representation. Sean, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. Because the president, uh, the office of president is the only one that we vote for that's national. When it comes to senators and congressmen, uh, we vote for those within the state. So it's all state and local. So the only part of the federal government that everybody comes together to vote for is the president. So it makes sense that our founding fathers would come up with something quite clever as the uh, electoral college, because if they didn't, it would be a total popular vote. And presidential campaigns would only need to focus on one or two, maybe three states for their whole campaign. If they
0: can convince New York and California, they've won. Absolutely. It it basically says that exactly what the founding fathers did not want to happen would happen. And that is states with the largest populations would have an inordinate amount of influence in electing those who govern us. In the country. And I think that's what they really wanted to avoid. Okay, so let's keep that as our context. Let's keep that as our background. Sean, do you know how many illegal immigrants are estimated as of today to exist in the United States? Oh my gosh, it's something like 16 million. You got that right. So according to Pew Research and a few other places, they talk about 11 or 12 million. However, almost all of that data is 2020 or previous. And what has happened since then is nothing short of astounding. So again, for context, we have the founders of our constitution building a system that created checks and balances in how we elected, And so there that, that would be the right kind of representation, equal representation, but not undue influence from the various states of our country. So that's, that's context number one. Context number two is that Joe Biden signed an executive order that says now every single person in the census has to be counted regardless of whether they're illegal or not. And then step number three, or or component, context number three, is that it's estimated anywhere from 4 to 8 million illegal immigrants have come into our country since that executive order was enacted. And why is that, Sean? Why do we have so many people streaming across our borders? Because he opened the door and said, come on in. That is well said. There's no other way to say it. We opened the doormat. We opened the door. We rolled out the doormat. We did the uh, what do you call that with the uh, the bull when you have the red flag, and we just we just pull it out of the way and come charging right in. And that's exactly what's happened. So it's estimated right now that we have 16.7 million, so 16 million illegal immigrants in the United States. In California alone that is estimated to be near 3 million or plus. So wrap your minds around that. If California has 50 million people and 3 million of them on that census are illegal, what does that do to the apportionment calculation of the House of Representatives, the number of representatives for each state?
1: It's going to add to it. So we are are literally going to add... Uh, congressional seats because of people who are not supposed to be here.
0: Okay, I'm going to have a little fun with this, Sean. But when you say add seats, you mean over and above the 435, right? They're not being taken away from anywhere else, are they? Exactly. If I remember
1: one of the articles uh, that we read, there's close to, there's an average of about 735 uh, folks per congressional seat. So if you divide that out, wow, we get to add a lot of seats. And in some cases, there are only going to be a a handful of states that are actually going to get those. When they get those, they're going to have more seats for themselves in Congress, hence more of a say.
0: Well, exactly. And so I'm going to – I was kind of baiting you there a little bit. I didn't ask my question. Uh, with with a lot of clarity. There's only 435 seats in the House of Representatives. So that if means if California gets two extra seats, they got to come from somewhere. And that means they're going to come from a state that likely has much less uh, illegal citizens, illegal immigrants in their state, which from what we know, more than likely is going to be a conservative state because conservative states have tried to do everything they can to push back against this administration to slow down illegal immigration. So you already have a scenario that really, it creates this context, it creates this opportunity for the liberal Democrat ideology to grow its influence in Congress, not just by ideology, by by sheer numbers, because they can increase their congressional seats and they are taken from somewhere else. It doesn't
1: help that the Democrat strategy is let them in and give them free stuff, because anybody that you give free stuff to is likely to vote you in office and keep you in office, so that they can keep getting the free stuff.
0: Wow, that is true. So what we read uh, in this in this article, which I'd encourage, uh, encourage everyone to read, is that. It, based on the number of folks per congressional seat, which I think that's what you were referencing, Sean. You said 700 is 760, 761,000 residents on average, based on 6, uh, 16.7, 16.8 illegal immigrants. That means that they would account for roughly 22 seats in the House of Representatives or 22 seats that they would, I mean, obviously the 435 would still be there, but they have influence over the equivalent of 22 seats. And so what does that mean? That means that the seats apportioned to New York, which I believe are 27 right now, likely would be 26. California likely would have one or two less seats. And so what it means is, is that these states that are welcoming immigrants in the droves and saying, come on to our state, are actually boosting the Democrat representation in the House of Representatives. Does that make sense, Sean? It totally does in a way that makes um, thinking
1: people's blood boil, except for the part where California gets less seats. I'm all
0: for that. Well, so California's got an interesting dichotomy. They've got actual U.S. citizens moving out of the state by the hundreds of thousands, but they have illegal immigrants coming into the state by the millions. So California still, from a congressional standpoint, congressional representation standpoint, is likely still doing okay. Now, here's an item that I haven't discussed with you, Sean. This is the first time you're going to have heard it. I want you to think about some of the uh, proactive, conservative-minded steps that both Florida and Texas have done in order to deal with illegal immigration. Sean, can you tell me what that is, what you know that they've been doing over the last year in regards to illegal immigrants that they capture at the border?
1: I believe it involves planes, trains, and automobiles, or at least
0: planes and buses. Absolutely. And Sean, uh, well, let let me pull back. That's absolutely correct. Ron DeSantis talked about this. Governor Abbott talked about this. They said, look, if there's states that want these illegal immigrants due to the liberal policies of the administration, fine. We're going to help you. We're going to send them right to you. Sean, where are Texas and uh, Florida sending all these illegal immigrants that they capture at the border? It seems like right now the bulk of it
1: is New York City. I personally think they should send them to Delaware.
0: Yeah, that's funny. Uh, or, or or maybe the uh, District of Columbia. Um, yeah, they're, they're basically going to New York, California, Washington, I believe some to Minnesota. Sean, what's the political environment of those states that I just mentioned?
1: Oh, it's murky and they're not happy about it. And what cracks me up is though they're not happy about it, their message to the president isn't, hey, close the border. It's, hey, give me some more money. So I can help these people. Give me more
0: money. So I'll get to this in just a second, Sean. I would argue they, that inadvertently, they are very happy about it. But I'm talking more about the political environment. Are all those states where these illegal immigrants are being shipped to after they've been captured in Texas and Florida, are those blue states or red states? Oh, they're blue
1: states for sure.
0: They're blue states for sure. And what did we just say? Illegal immigrants now are counted in the census of all the states, which is the methodology used to apportion House of Representatives seats. So while Texas and Florida are doing exactly what you would expect a conservative to do, do you see now that they are inadvertently helping the Democrats by doing this? Oh, yeah.
1: It's funny how they do manage to benefit no matter which direction it goes.
0: Absolutely. And so I'm like, I, if I was Texas, I don't know what I would do. You can't have illegal immigrants continuing to come across the border, using up resources and benefits that we don't have that we can't pay for. So that's a loss. I mean, that would inf- that impacts Texas economy, Florida's economy. It's definitely a hit just to pretty much everything in the state. But then you ship them to New York and New York gets to count them in their census to get more representation in Congress. I see lose-lose in this scenario, Sean. What say you?
1: Oh, it is lose-lose. And it's it's time for our friends, the Republicans, to get together and say enough is enough. We're way past enough is enough. We need to take a look at their strategy and we say, we need to say no more. And uh, if the rhinos won't get together, and depart from their love of power, then we need to get rid of them and replace them. And we need our Republican representatives to start voting together in lockstep. And it's time for justice to be met. One of the things that hit me yesterday and today in conjunction with this is the fact that whoever is president They have the power over the justice system and the Justice Department. And that is over, you're talking about the FBI, the CIA, um, the uh, NSA, uh, all kinds of alphabet letters. It's the president that has sway over them. And the president has been using lawfare against all of these states to try to trip them up when it comes to defending the border. And we need to step in and put an end to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we don't really have time to get into it today as as this podcast draws to a close. But I was also reading uh, on X. I still call it Twitter, but I was reading on X where Elon Musk was talking about, hey, I understand the Democratic plan. The plan is to flood the United States with illegal immigrants, which traditionally vote higher Democrat than Republican, and so their, their plan is to get as many here as possible. And eventually you would think that someday we'll we'll have a plan to solve this crisis and the plan will involve some sort of amnesty. And so you end up taking all these illegal immigrants that were allowed in during this administration. And now you turn them into democratic voters. But I knew that that's been articulated. I'm glad to see Elon Musk because he has a little bit bigger audience than we have here on the grid. So we certainly are happy that he's trumpeting that noise Um, on the other hand, I'd never really considered how it affects the actual representation in these different States. It's like, well, if Texas is giving away these illegal immigrants and they're going to New York and New York increases its house of representative, uh, numbers and Texas decreases. And then those ones in New York vote even more Democrat. I mean, it's, there's just nothing but a lose, lose here. So very, very frustrating. I was even trying to think it's hard to go, you know, this is really a political topic that we're talking about because we care about our country. But I was trying to think scripturally uh, how, how this would be dealt with in the Bible. And there is one thing that came to my mind, and that was just, you know, immigration must have been an issue too, because it seems like in the in the Old Testament, the Lord continually challenged uh, the Israelites uh, that he spoke to Moses about the relation between foreigners living among them and and the Jews themselves and how the foreigners were to live by the rules that the Israelites put forth. And I don't see in this particular scenario. I don't see those those same rules being applied. Uh, the the illegal immigrants don't have to abide by our laws because if they did, they couldn't come in in the first place. The very definition of a law abider is to follow the law, including the immigration laws. And the very definition of a law breaker is to not follow those laws, which is exactly what we see with illegal immigration. So as I just think about that, I think you know what immigration is is a transcendent issue that has been a problem. For several thousands of years, as countries have an identity, we have an identity. And that identity is being systematically broken down and systematically changed through very nefarious methods. I think that is what we see here. I totally agree. And that's, the,
1: that's one of the many beautiful facets of Scripture is it's timeless, The contents are timeless, and the Holy Spirit can make anything that took place and is chronicled a couple thousand years ago, he can show you how it applies today. The principles are the same because, as Scripture says, there's nothing new under the sun. Oh yeah, we may communicate a lot faster than they did way back then, but
0: Humanity is still humanity. Indeed it is, Sean. And I, you know, I've often said this and I've had people say this to me. The answers for every question in life principally are found in scripture. And I would say in this case, it continues to be true. Amen. Sean, this is a really important topic. Thanks for joining me today. We really need to make sure people hear this and need to be contacting their congressman. That is a call to action because this needs to get solved, and it's only going to get solved through legislation.
1: And it's really not difficult. Just look up your representative and look up your two senators. You can call one number, and you can simply leave a message and tell them the census needs to include the citizenship question.
0: Citizens only. sounds like a battle cry. Amen. Well, Sean, I think that's all we have time today uh, for the grid. Thank you so much to the audience and uh, all of our listeners. Uh, it's very, very important that we, we get this information out. And then as Sean said, that you leave a message with uh, your senators, uh, your representatives. There is one important ingredient that we didn't talk about that likely will be the topic of a future podcast. The only ingredient that is lacking in order for true immigration reform to occur. And that's courage.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Till next time. Till next time.